Good evening and welcome to Psychedelic Healing. I am your host, Sonia Cotto, nurse anesthesiologist and mental health advocate, here to talk medicine, psychedelics, and healing tonight. Uh, tonight I have Chi, known as Chi Psilocybin, who started Truffles Therapy in the Netherlands a few years ago and guiding, facilitating journeyers through the healing power of magic truffles. Hmm, what are those? After guiding over 200 retreat guests, they uh, they both moved to Costa Rica to rest and integrate, where they were then able to really finish and start their biggest project and their actual amazing thing that we're going to talk to you about, which is called tripsitters.org, and they're also mushroomtow.com, uh, both companies that are educators and resources for everyone in the community and for those of you out there tonight. Welcome, Chi. Thank you, Sonia. So a few questions. I would like, I'm just curious how you ended up in the Netherlands working with truffles. I moved to the Netherlands in 2018. I wanted to get closer to the mushroom spirit. Something was calling me. And this was maybe after maybe 10 mushroom journeys. And I really felt the call. I was sort of at a very dark point in my life and I wanted to move somewhere where I had access to mushrooms and truffles. During one of my deepest points, the memory of a, a mushroom journey came up and I felt so happy. So I really said, I have to get closer to this feeling. In my 20s, I struggled a lot with depression, low self-esteem, and it's really the mushroom journeys that transformed my life and allowed me to experience some sort of peace and happiness, obviously along with my Buddhist teachers as well. So yeah, the Netherlands was really the most logical step. And I had no idea that this was going to become my work and my mission in life. But so my gut feeling was telling me that I needed to get closer with the mushroom spirit. Yes, yes. And you did follow it. And it, it's actually when you follow that passion, it's you feel complete. All right. It's funny. A lot of practitioners like yourself, they started off using the medicine. When I asked how it came about, it was, I was struggling and I found the medicine and it healed me and I had to pursue and just called to share it with the world. So thank you. Ooh. But my big question is, what is a truffle? I've been hearing it all over recently is besides the magic mushrooms, the uh, psilocybin, what is a truffle? So the truffles are the underground part of the magic mushroom. They can be compared to a storage ball. So the mushrooms only grow under certain conditions. In the meantime, the mushroom sort of, the mycelium sort of curls up into balls so that when the conditions ripen for the mushrooms to grow, these truffles then become the food and the water uh, for the mushrooms to grow. So. In the Netherlands, the truffles are legal. The mushrooms are not legal. And so truffles are widely sold and legally in the Netherlands and in places called smart shops and in convenience stores as well. So yeah, you, you, there's, you know, dozens of places in the Netherlands that, that sell these truffles. And if you're going to compare psychedelics, truffles and mushrooms are part of the same actually organism. So. They're pretty similar in effects. 
Yeah, that's very interesting. So in these, the retreats that you held, it was just purely just using truffles. Yep, exactly. Is it the same, similar dosing as far as like, I don't know, like the grams that they do with? Well, the truffles in the Netherlands, in the stores, they're usually sold in boxes of like 10, 15 or 20 grams. And these are wet truffles. So they're not dried uh, like most uh, if people were to buy some mushrooms, they're usually very dried. So roughly 10 grams of wet truffles might be equivalent to something like one gram of dried mushrooms. So, you know, people can go on journeys of 20, 30, 40, 50 grams of wet truffles. And it's often a lot to take for people, but people do get it down. Yeah, I was about to say that's a lot more stuff to uh, swallow in that. Uh, and is it something that, is it similarly prepared? Because people say like chocolates um, or teas or... Yeah, there are people that make chocolates and teas. In our retreats, we just serve them uh, raw, fresh, like they came out of the, the box. And how do people tolerate them? You know, some people get nauseous, just like with any other psychedelic, but most people are able to hold it down and... Um, it depends on the batch and obviously the species, but it sometimes tastes like a sour walnut and it has that kind of texture as well. Um, some people compare it to like uh, battery acid. <laughs> some people- some <laughs> Those people, people don't really, like it, I guess. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, some people compare it to like a really pleasant, earthy, nutty taste. So yeah, it's- with any psychedelic, some people are okay with it and some people really don't like exactly. it. But, you know, sometimes you have to take some bitter medicine to get the results. Right. It's part of the process, right? Taking exactly. it naturally from the ground plant. That is so interesting that having it above ground makes it illegal and being it below ground. is legal. Yeah. It's an interesting story. I think back in the late 2000s, I think 2008, there was a daughter of a French ambassador, I believe, that had a bunch of substances, including mushrooms and uh, most likely something like alcohol, cocaine, etc. And she jumped out of a building or bridge and she died. So there was a big issue with that. And the mother of the daughter went on Cameron said they need to ban these drugs. So, of course, they the government blamed everything on the mushrooms. They made it illegal. But somehow, the mushrooms found a way, and no one knows exactly, but the truffles were either intentionally or unintentionally left out of the law banning the mushroom species. And so, overnight, they're, the smart shops stopped carrying the mushrooms and they more or less started carrying these truffles. Well, so I guess the, the market changed. Now you have, do you even have a, oh yeah, so they're just growing truffles? Exactly, yeah. There's, underground mushrooms. It, exactly. There's these laboratories and farms, you know, just like any other mushroom operation, but they just grow truffles. And of course, the mushrooms are also flowing around the the grow kits are still legal so they're sold widely as well in these smart shops and if you're connected you there's many many sources of mushrooms still in the netherlands as well all right just like all over but that is 
why we're here, you know, to just educate about safety. And that's why I was just very excited to interview you because of your website, tripsitters.org. How did that, because I know that was kind of something that you were working towards, but then you went from the Netherlands to Costa Rica. Yeah. Well, the Tripsitters actually came pretty early in our journey. I'd say maybe two or three months after we started Truffles Therapy, we realized that there needed to be more education. And a lot of these practitioners and retreats, they didn't know other practitioners and retreats existed. So they were operating in silos. So we wanted to create a directory that showed the world that there is actually a bigger movement happening. And we wanted practitioners to feel like they were part of a greater community and they weren't alone. And of course, we realized that we couldn't educate every single person that needed to be educated in person or on the phone. So we wanted to create this kind of evergreen educational platform with, you know, just the basic information about preparation, integration, dosage, where you can find mushrooms around the world and microdosing, how to be a trip sitter. Now we have a grower's guide as well. So yeah, you know, we don't really have big ambitions with that, but that directory serves as a resource for a lot of people to connect with uh, people locally or around the world, psychedelic communities as well. So I'm very proud of the work the team has done. And obviously, it's really the mushroom working through human beings that somehow we were the stewards of this project at that time. And now it's become a, a beautiful resource for the community. Yeah. So, so now you're in Costa Rica and do you still work with strictly the truffles or do you also work with psilocybin in your retreats now? Yeah, now the truffles are sort of history for us. Uh, there's uh, there's someone who makes truffles around here, but in where I live in Costa Rica, the mushrooms are flowing pretty freely. The in the markets, there's usually two or three people selling different mushroom items: dried mushrooms, mushroom honeys, chocolates, uh, all over this area. Oh, wow. And there's a store called Selva Organic, which is on the main road, and they have they're sort of a hub for the community, artisan, local artisan products. And they carry dried mushrooms, three or four different types of chocolates, three or four different types of capsules. So yeah, it's pretty free here. And we're very lucky to just have almost unlimited access to mushrooms here. Wow. Yeah. So you can actually go to the similar to how cannabis is here now with the medical cannabis. Or actually, even recreationally, you can actually choose the type of strain to the type of work that you're going to do. Do you actually do that in your facilitations? You know, we have, we work with the grower and usually we just ask him what, what are his strongest strains. So recently they've been strains called Enigma, which is very, anybody who is really interested in mycology would love Enigma because it doesn't even look like traditional mushrooms. It looks like a cauliflower or a brain growing. Uh, but these are extremely powerful wow. strain of uh, psilocybin mushrooms. And then another strain called Natalensis and then something called Jedi Mind Fuerza. And, you know, these strains are just 
names that humans have put on right. these mysterious creatures. And yeah, he grows maybe seven or eight strains, and we just always get the strongest ones from him. Okay. So is there more um, strong meaning like depth, or is it different kinds? Because some of them, right, will have more visuals, whereas other ones are more deep body work. How do you determine, like, what is it when you're thinking of strength for you? Well, it really comes down to the concentration of psilocybin. So in general, some psilocybin mushroom strains might contain mm, 0.5 grams or, or no, um, half a percentage or one percentage of its total weight is actually psilocybin. But something like Enigma can be something like 2% or 2.5%. So Enigma can sometimes be twice or more stronger than other strains, such as Golden Teachers. Yeah. Interesting. And how do you determine? And also, when you're, you are facilitating, sorry, I'm just diving deep. I'm always very curious that, that um, you're, can you tell you're one of my first uh, facilitators that can openly discuss it? <laughs> Um, being in Costa Rica and all, when dosing clients, how do you really determine the dosing that someone will receive? It's a co-creation. It's not us telling or saying we know what the client needs. If someone is coming on a retreat, when there's usually, you know, we sometimes host these private retreats. They do four nights, two journeys here. But before they come, they're already microdosing and sometimes mini dosing. So they're already having 0.1, 0.2 on a regular basis. Some people go to half a gram, one gram, even two grams before they come. We've served, you know, we've served sometimes very high doses uh, up to like 15, 18 grams in extremely rare cases. I wouldn't recommend that for first timers, obviously, but the, the 18 grams was on six-day retreat and it was the third journey and this person had some really ish big issues that she couldn't break through with the the smaller journey so but on average people are taking let's say they come on a private retreat they're two two journeys average of like four three or four grams on the first one and maybe like four five six grams on the second one or a little higher based on uh, how the first journey went and and then to also to clarify, especially for the listeners out there, when you're talking about microdosing before they come, um, if people aren't aware of uh, microdosing, it's just taking a very sub perceptual dose um, in the system, but you don't feel anything, and so you can build a tolerance. Is that why you end up going up maybe a little higher dosing? Well, I think they're calling it sub psychedelic now. Sub because people are always feeling something. This is something we learn in Buddhist meditation is there's always feelings in the body. There's always sensations, even if it's a neutral sensation, even if it's a feeling of not feeling something or feeling confused about thinking that one needs to feel something but not feeling it. So there's always something happening in the body and the mushrooms, even the microdoses help us get in touch with those emotions and feelings. So some people have suppressed emotions for many years or decades, or sometimes they've taken antidepressants or 
other substances and it's really numbed their emotions. So they don't feel their body. So when people say, I'm not feeling anything, my response is usually, well, you're always feeling something. How's it feel not to feel something? Do you have a response to that? Uh, maybe some confusion, maybe some frustration, maybe there's some anger that you're not feeling something. So usually people need to feel grief and, and disappointment. Those are some of the main emotions that people don't want to feel, but that's what this journey is about. And then also shame, guilt, those are very important emotions to witness and see so that they're not driving our lives unconsciously and causing harm for ourselves and others. Yes. Yes. That's why I always tell my patients too, with, with my ketamine patients during their infusions, they're always scared or trying to avoid these emotions. And the beautiful part about ketamine is you don't actually feel it in the body, though you're kind of trying to interpret it in the mind and you're thinking and feeling like, oh, my anxiety or the the guilt or the shame, but then they realize that there is none and they don't feel it in their body. And it's just a, such a beautiful uh, thing to witness. So I'm sure you're feeling wholehearted and very um, uh, fulfilled with all the retreats that you're doing. So uh, yeah, it's no, been beautiful. Go ahead. It's been beautiful to witness people's transformations and even with microdosing, seeing how people can let go of years of anxiety. You know, before people start, sometimes they think, oh, I'm so scared. I don't know what to expect. And then after day two or day three, they're like, wow, I'm feeling really good. Or they don't notice it, but all their anxiety has just disappeared. And now they're feeling maybe a little bit more confusion or, you know, maybe another emotion like frustration. Of course, this is along with all the other beautiful emotions like love, peace, and joy. And usually people have to go through some layers of unpleasant emotions to get to some of the really nice states of mind. And then, I mean, honestly, when everybody's coming to a, a retreat or coming to my clinic, they're searching for help. You know, they're struggling with something deep. And so there is going to be discomfort in it. And it's that's why you're going there for support and you're able to offer that safe space, you know, because obviously in Costa Rica and, and other places you can get psilocybin and all these on the underground, underground whether they're legal or illegal. Um, but having that trip sitter, as, as your website calls it, you know, having that guide to hold that space and just really help you in those deep moments when sometimes you just need that support. And so that's great that that's something that you're called to do. I love it. Yeah. People need community. That's how human beings have lived for so many centuries, millennia. It's just in our culture, we're so isolated. We're so atomized. That's how the system wants us so that we do get addicted to whatever it is that the system wants us to buy. So they've done a study in la uh, lab rats where they gave the rats community and uh, in another case they isolated the rats and then they connected a water bottle with cocaine in it and they saw that the lab rats who were isolated went to the cocaine over and over but when they were in community they actually didn't even think about going to the cocaine so you know, cocaine can be a metaphor for everything we get addicted to in our modern society. 
And that's why these substances have been stigmatized. Well, one of the reasons and why they're still legal is because it's a very big shift for the economic system when people aren't getting addicted. And actually when we're helping people be more content instead of having to go on shopping sprees to feel some kind of fleeting happiness. That's, I think that's what we're struggling with, I guess, all over the world as well. But it's all about whatever you have is not good enough. So you're always in living in this want, want, not enough, not enough. You know, so I think that also doesn't help our mental health crisis um, with that. Right. I, yeah. I, no, no, I just wanted to kind of get into the education piece and what you guys offer at TripSitters um, just because it's so amazing. And then we can also get into, you know, your website and, you know, the services and the retreats you um, offer. But with TripSitters, I was very surprised. I'd seen it before, but just all the more content and just just the resources for everyone. It's just a free platform just to learn so much. And you said, oh, it's just not, it's not, it's just some information. No, it is so well-written and you have so much within each section for journeyers, for example. So a lot of my audience is interested about learning and really obviously doing it safely and being able to heal both in microdosing and in macrodosing and whatever medicine that they choose. Where do you find all these, all the resources that you save for the journeyers, like finding the medicine, the preparation, and the preparation and the microdosing? Is this stuff that you've developed or just learned through the years, or is it other resources yeah. that you've pulled together? You know, we've had great team and writers and editors. It's not just me. It's a, it's a, so many volunteers worked on oh, these nice. pieces of information. So they've gone through a lot of, readings and a lot of feedback has been given by the community. So yeah, I, I feel like it really points to the power of community when people put their minds together and they they put aside the competition and the need to outdo each other for a moment and they really work on creating something beautiful for the world. It, you know, I mean for me, this stuff, this information has all been written in different places and different ways. We just wanted to collate it and to put it all in one place, specifically for psychedelics and mushrooms. So over the years, you know, we just did research and we combined all the best information and we just worked on it as a community. We don't update it as much now, but certain articles like where to find your medicine, uh, that one we keep updated because uh, the laws are constantly shifting and there's a lot of movement and who's providing and what's available. And yeah, it's a it's a it's a beautiful project that I'm happy that the mushroom trusted me to and and still trusts me to somehow hold the keys to it. Oh, it's great. And I like the the added piece now for trip setters and guides because they're that is something that I see is going to be so much need, right? There, oh yeah, so many people are called to this. Oh yeah, and now there are so many training programs and quite expensive, you know, five so and expensive. fifty thousand. But these people graduate and they're like complete babies. To to really succeed in the psychedelic space is pretty darn difficult. Uh, you need so much fortitude and mental 
openness and flexibility and people have to keep people have to be continually willing to do their own work otherwise the medicine just doesn't bring them work right it's really we can't fake out the mushrooms or the ayahuasca when it comes to holding spaces if we're not ready we're going to cause harm and we're going to cause not such pleasant experiences for the people coming to us so yeah you know the the little piece on there it's really just the basic overview and a survey of the training programs available the the codes of ethics and you know people need to be connected with each other they need to be connected with mentors people who have been in the space even for two years three years makes a huge difference even after seeing 10 clients 20 clients 50 clients you know the the difference between someone who has seen zero clients and 10 clients is literally night and day and then you go to a hundred clients is so different the perspective shifts so much after you see some of the difficult journeys people go through and how humbling it is as a trip sitter so yeah it's really to more and more people need to gather in consultation groups they need to talk about cases they need to feel solidarity with each other regardless of what medicine they're working with we really need to do this as a community and not as individuals only right and and that's the difficulty in it because it's such an underground right at this point at least in the u.s right this is why it's constantly a conundrum and it's really about who is willing to speak up who's willing to say the edgiest thing like i am a you know psychedelic therapist and there are more and more people and the more people that stand up and speak the truth the more others feel comfortable so it's a form of civil disobedience that that we have to engage in for this this work to move forward we can't wait for the laws to change because they're not going to change fast enough pretty much i mean if we look at cannabis it's still schedule one substance so Imagine waiting 10 years ago and saying, I'm going to wait until it's federally legal. No, then the movement wouldn't have have gone forward. It was it was the people right. taking great risks, uh, doing the underground work, you know, having the underground farms that really help everything to help propel everything. So it's the same with psychedelics is at a certain point, we have to give more value to the potential benefit of us speaking out and standing up rather than the potential consequence of us standing up and speaking out. So, but now it's becoming more of a desired so-called career path. So, so many more therapists and doctors and nurses and counselors and social workers are now standing up. So, yeah, that gives me a little bit of optimism about at least how the psychedelic space is going. Yeah, I think uh, we're blessed in the time that we are getting into the space because, you know, all our, all our, you know, researches and all the people that suffered for us to even get us all the way from Maria Sabina, you know, and all the others following all the researchers, you know, and now we have like Rick Doblin. How how long has he been working with the MDMA trying to get up legalized? And we're years, yeah. right. And we're so close, you know, and they're the ones who sacrificed. You know, they're the ones that went to jail, got arrested and all that. And we are blessed that we actually just 
get to talk about it and start teaching it. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, you know, and even goes back beyond Maria Sabina. I mean, so many centuries of indigenous practitioners practicing underground to keep the plant medicine and the wisdom flowing, even at the risk of pretty much getting executed or completely mm-hmm. exiled or punished or imprisoned. So, and, and now, you know, some of us have more privilege based on our skin color or socioeconomic status. So it's important to recognize the systemic issues at, at play and to utilize our privilege to raise the voices that don't get heard as much. You know, the black yeah. voices, the Hispanic voices, those and the indigenous voices still in the psychedelic space, those voices are still marginalized. Yes, they still are, sadly. And um, hopefully, I don't know how we can prevent, you know, the the future of the biotech companies and the pharmaceutical companies and all that, because they're already biting at the bits for, you know, there's their medicines that they can create. Um, so hopefully we can prevent that and we are doing some work to to make it okay for the future for them. Um, before we finish up, I did want to really get to your website and the services that you pr- provide. You do private consultations to see and assist patients or answer questions, or is it more just for consultations for retreats and preparations? You know, I, I see a couple of groups of professionals, networks of sitters and professionals in the space and organizations. So my door is open to anybody who's dedicated to the work, whether it's a first time seeker or someone building an organization, underground, above ground, growers, facilitators, uh, network builders, community organizers. So yeah, my door is open. And, you know, for me, it's not about the money. We're very thankful that the mushrooms have provided us great abundance. So my role is to just show up, support people as best I can, whoever they are, whatever I can do for people, specifically in the mushroom space, that's what I'm specialized in, but I can get people connected to, you know, whatever they need resources, connections, people, communities, uh, educational items. So yeah, that's really what I'm about. Spreading the spores in a human way. Nice. Spreading the spores. I love that. Um, what is your beside? Well, actually this is the answer, you know, but what is, what would be besides going to tripsetters.org, what should people look for when looking for a t- retreat space? Like questions to ask. Yeah, I think important. I'd say listen to your gut. Visit a few websites. Ask for recommendations. Read reviews. See, look at the people that are going to be serving whatever medicine you're looking for. Do you trust them with your life? Do you trust them with your safety? Do you trust them with your secrets? And if at all possible, talk with them before you're booking a retreat or something. Have as many calls as you need to feel comfortable with them. And yeah, trust yourself as well. You don't have to wait for a trip sitter. You know, find ways to start microdosing. Take 
matters into your own hands, right? You can't always wait for another person to come rescue you. It's really about working with the resources you have, starting as local as possible. You don't have to travel across the world to or to another state. Really start at home and see what's around you. Build roots because you're going to need to return there. And those roots are going to help you integrate whatever experience that you have with psychedelics. Beautiful. Great, great resource. I, I thank you for everything that you're doing. And hopefully I can uh, visit you one day in Costa Rica. If I'm ever down there. Where in Costa Rica are you based? We are in the Southern Pacific zone near the towns of Uvita and Dominical. So this is where the Envision Festival happens each year, late February, early March. So yeah, it's a great part of the world and I'm really happy to be here. Nice, nice. I definitely, I just went to Hako one, one year, a few years back. That was a beautiful place, but just one place, so much more to see. Oh, really? Yes. Well, thank you so much, Chi, for joining me here. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And this is your dose of psychedelic healing. You have a beautiful week. Thank you. Thank you, Chi. We were cleared as a wrap. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Well, you do so much stuff. That's so amazing. How often do you do uh, retreats? Not so often anymore. Uh, last few months, you know, we've had a few private retreats, a one little group retreat that we were helping with. But, you know, most of our work is getting medicine shipped out to people in the U.S. and supporting practitioners in the U.S. You know, a lot, oh, nice. a lot more people, therapists being asked by their patients or naturopathic doctors. So, you know, it's these people are in a bind because of the legality. So we try to take some of that burden off of them. Nice. Oh, so they like you're able to like ship it directly to the patient so that the clinicians don't have to touch it. That's good. Yeah, because that's important because that's even the difficulty with me and my my license. I will never disclose if I've ever, you know, like I can't even try it because God forbid I would lose my nurse practitioner license. Even on this podcast, if I were to disclose any of that stuff, I mean, I could, the most I can really experience is ketamine. The only legal psychedelic so far, so but maybe one day in Costa Rica. Well, you know, it's really about, yeah, I feel like once you have a taste of what the mushrooms or ayahuasca can bring, yeah, it'll shift. It'll shift your mouth for sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause there's only so much ketamine can, so so far that ketamine can take you. Yeah. I see, I see a lot of people who come from ketamine. So yeah, you know, the things I, I hear the most are that it's expensive and that it's great, but I need something else or something like that, you know? So ketamine's a great start. And obviously I'm happy that people are getting started with something. And also mm -hmm. there's something about the, you know, the mushrooms, the ayahuasca that can like really dig up things from the core. It's like an unraveling of karma and conditioning and it's really freeing for people yeah yeah so i i always kind of guide people towards now i have tripsetters.org which is amazing you know but different sites because sometimes i say that you need more than the ketamine you know but a lot of places don't want to a lot of people don't want to travel out of the country they want to be in a clinic so that's where i see that both worlds right that you you'll definitely have the retreat centers the at home privates 
but there's people that want to be in clinics. So there's that, you know, thing that we'll, we'll work through. I just don't know how that's going to work in a clinic. Eight to 12 hours, however long your sessions are. Yeah, it's it's uh, six, seven, eight. Yeah, it's a difficult. This is really the question is, you know, the setting and what's legal and what's not. And because, my gosh, you can have completely life-changing experiences just in the middle of the forest. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but inside of a clinic and four walls on a couch. It can be, it, people can have great experiences and also it can limit people's perspective as well, right? So there's something about looking at the vast nature that really like completely shifts a person's relationship to it. And also I've had a ton of experiences indoors, but that that ability to just step out and put your feet in the grass is really like priceless for sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The grounding is very, very important and this and message medicine journey for sure. So well, thank you so much. Hopefully we can talk a little bit more. I'll meet you at a conference if you ever go or if I ever go to Costa Rica. Yeah. Anytime in Costa Rica, yeah, just let me know and happy to meet. And uh yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity, Sonia. And let me know how I can support in any way for you and your any of your patients as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, actually, I might uh, want to get your information later. Yeah, just in case. You know, um, yeah, you not. know, mushroom mushroom dow is a great one to send, if spe- specifically if they're looking for mushrooms. I mean, you know, I have a very big network in the underground and above ground world. So anything, I I'm happy to always be like a first person for people to just connect with. What do you need? Is my question, and I'm happy to connect mm-hmm. them with whatever they're looking. Perfect. Yeah, I always get a, a lot of my patients are always looking for microdoses. So so that's always uh, definitely look at that. So I'll send them to the um, the mushroom towel you said. Mushroomdow.com is a great website. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sonia. Pleasure to be on and uh, here to support. Let me know. Okay. Thank you. You have a great night. Bye.